We are starting the next morning. I don't think we had any other plans for that evening. Uh-huh. Having swapped all of our stories and been like, yo, there's this thing we totally want to go back and check it out in the morning when there's light and we can get supplies like rope and that kind of thing. Okay. And Finn and Philip are going to the library, I thought. Yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect. A new day dawns, and as the sunlight hits the window of Philip's room, he will wake and putter about getting ready for the day. Make sure his suit is smartly pressed and his bow tie is properly tied and he has his dark glasses. Within the room, there were various knickknacks and pictures on the wall, all of which which have been turned around to show only the backings of the painting. He takes his journal that he's been writing his notes in, writes a few more notes to the ones that he took last night, deep ones, question mark, fish people, underline, esoteric order of Dagon, three question marks, comma, must investigate, and cave on the beach. And he will close that and put it in his inner jacket pocket before opening the door and going downstairs to see what they have to serve for breakfast that will go well with English tea. You'll find Elijah sitting at the table reading the morning paper, and Sarah is flitting about. And it looks to be just oatmeal, some fruit, maybe some toast. Toast, capital. That will do nicely for this morning. I bid you both good morning. Thank you for a wonderful room and a most restful night's sleep. I shall certainly add this to the article that I am writing about lovely Innsmouth. Well, I doubt if a simple breakfast like this warrants any mention in your article. Um, But, well, your friends, they got in rather late. Are they, I, I mean, I start cleaning up. Uh, breakfast, you know, around eight thirty, nine o'clock. Do you think they'll be down before long? Or? Well, we shall certainly find out. I do know I turned in rather early. I'm not certain what they stayed up doing. I'm certain that they found the nightlife of Innsmouth to their liking. If they do not arrive by the time you let you clean up, then worry not. We'll find a nice brunch along the waterfront, possibly. She gives you one of those bless his heart smiles and toddles off into the kitchen. Elijah just sits there, still reading the paper, as if a conversation did not occur around him. Oh, the morning paper. Philip will take a glance at the uh, cover page. What is the news of the day in Innsmouth? You'll see several articles, but you'll see one of the big headlines on the cover is... Preparations continue for festival. Ah, the festival. Ah, my good man, Elijah. What is this festival that has the town in a tizzy, so to speak? He'll look at you a little. What are you referring to? And the kids look at the paper. Oh, oh, what the. Around the the solstice, the the house of Dagon does a. A celebration. 
it's one of the claims to fa- I'm surprised Sarah hasn't talked about the festival coming up. I mean, it's, well, it's, you know, it's not like she really enjoys or going to the house of the esoteric order. But yes, it's a celebrates winter solstice. Oh, that's quite intriguing. Do you think that if I went to the esoteric order of Dagon, they would perhaps explain the event more in detail? Shakes his head. Well, yeah, they're always they're friendly enough folk. They'll just answer your questions. They're a little hmm. Well, they're not. You know, they're going to be polite, but I wouldn't expect them to, uh, you know, embrace you as if you were part of the family. If you know what I mean. Oh, of course, of course. I I do understand that uh, quite adroitly. Simply, I wish to know a little bit more about this festival that the Esoteric Order puts on for the solstice every year, so I shall get the information straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. <laughs> and at that moment, we'll see. Finn Cookie, what were you guys doing as you prepare for your day? Finn was in the bathroom looking through the mirror, making sure there's nothing in his teeth, and takes a splash of water to wipe off his face, and... uh Slicks his hair back into his nice little thing, adjusts his jacket, and then uh, heads downstairs. Finn sees uh, Philip speaking with Elijah Collins, and, uh, Philip, we, um, we heading to the library, is it? Yes, Finn, my good boy, we are definitely heading to the library. Although we will also make a stop today at the Esoteric Order of Dagon. Dagon, right. Yes, they are putting on a festival for the for the winter solstice that I would like to speak to them about. Festival for the solstice, yes. That's that's right up our alley, isn't it? Yes, I do think it is. Uh, please have a seat, have some of this uh have some of this uh oatmeal. I'm certain it will stick to your bones on this cold wintry day. Right. I think I might stick with something a wee bit lighter. Uh, some toast. Do you have any preserves? Uh, Elijah put his paper down and, and look up. Kind of startled that you didn't really notice you had walked in. And he'll point on the table. There's a couple little silver, little, I don't know, little jars with little silver lids. And you'll see little spoon handles sticking out of them. He'll indicate there. Ah, much thanks. Takes whatever jelly is there and spreads it over his uh, his bread quickly and takes a few bites. Cookie? Cookie was up early in the morning, early enough to wash herself up and do her hair. In her room, in the mirror... Made sure that her lipstick was fixed and her suit was nice and clean and well fit before she walks down the stairs to join the gentleman. So, uh, hey guys, did anybody make coffee yet this morning? Finn, are you alright? You gave me quite a fright last night. I've been better, but um, I've composed myself overnight. Well, it's good to see you eating something. Please have more than just toast this morning. You need your strength. 
Yeah, that's what Philip just said. Are you two conspiring against me? I think it's just that, you know, we care about your health. Now, where's that coffee? As you entered and, and said coffee, he puts the papers down and he, he stands up and you see him go into the kitchen and it's not long after he'll come back out with a full pot and set it on the table. And Good morning, miss. There's your uh, coffee. I'm, I'm just going to be in the kitchen helping Sarah with prep work for for the dinner. Thank you so much, sir. You're welcome. Just shout if you need anything. And he'll go back into the kitchen. Philip watches him go. Every time that Elijah talks about not being part of the family or, or weird people, it's been everything in Philip's power to not kind of ogle at the Innsmouth look that Elijah has. Bruno will come down, say nothing, but just give that smell like, he knows there's coffee here, and he's going to find it. He'll look around. He'll see Charlotte over there, and then, like, ah, there it is. And then head over to her to get some coffee. So you guys had quite the night last night, huh, Bruno? What did you do to Finn? Yes, we must know. We uh, We saw the film. Kind of a scary one, and he'll look to Finn. Isn't that uh, isn't that right there? Yeah, and something a wee bit fishy. Fucking fish people. I will point at Finn with my coffee, like that. That's it, right there. And that was in the movie. No, we um, we went down to the beach that you said. Um, who was it that went last time? Um. Sam and Cookie, was that you? Just the two of you headed down there earlier. So then we went down and take another look, another peek. And we saw them, the footprints and the, um, well, it was very clearly deep ones. What do I know of deep ones? Did you make an occult roll? I will let you make up. Whatever Philip believes, if he knows anything. Uh, deep ones, deep ones, deep ones, deep ones. Ah, yes, this is the ones with the long claws and the, the long snouts that uh, dig up from the under-earth with their mining helmets to gather trash from the rubbish bins and uh, go through it as if it was gold and jewels, yes? No, they're fucking fish people, like I said. What are you thinking, dwarves? Of like, stories? There's no Snow White here. I don't know what you're speaking about. Not dwarves. Dwarves don't dig up from the bowels of the earth. Why else would they call them deep ones? Why do you call them deep ones? If they're just, um, uh, pardon the parlance, uh, fucking fish people. Because when you go deep underwater, you find the deep ones. They have some association with Dagon. So, I'm a little, um, iffy on going to this esoteric order that might have some 
esoteric parchments and relics. Ah, so you believe it would be unwise for us to go to the place with esoteric in the name, as we also have esoteric in our name, is that correct? No, I'm just worried that the place of Dagon, Mm -hmm. which is associated with Deep Ones, and we saw Mm -hmm. Deep Ones earlier yesterday. Mm. No, I don't believe there would be a problem. Of course not. Philip, I don't want to argue against your grand knowledge, but I really think that Finn is right. This is very, very dangerous. This might be one of the worst things that we've seen in a while. I really think that we should be careful here. I don't know if we need to be walking right into that order of Dagon. Philip will place his napkin on the table and fold his hands and say, Yes, I understand that there may be danger. However, we are, reluctantly, I will admit for all of us, agents of a federal agency whose duty is to investigate phenomena such as these. And if the esoteric order of Dagon has information on the Deep Ones, which are allegedly associated with Dagon, who is an elegod of the Deep Ocean, then it falls upon us to investigate. We cannot go back to Mr. Patterson and say, no, there's nothing in its mouth, it's fine. By the way, we forgot completely about the film that we were researching. I'm just saying... Do your homework first. Didn't you say last night that you were going to the library? Yes, we didn't indeed say that. And Finn and I will attend the library where we will study the books of Innsmouth and find whatever information we can upon the hospice and upon the poor gentleman who lost his sanity upon the beach that you traveled down last evening. And perhaps we'll interview his daughter. His daughter. Oh, yes. And he leans in and drops his voice since, you know, there's people in the kitchen. So the lady of the house told me last night that a gentleman was playing with his daughter upon the beach where there are rocks and she was very pretty and they were very happy. Does this sound familiar so far? And he came tearing into town screaming that she had been taken. And of course, nobody in Innsmouth believed him, and he was committed to the hospice as insane, where he later died. And then, years later, she reappears upon the beach with child. (gasps) And he leans back, exceedingly pleased with himself. That's wonderful and horrible news. Yes, I know. So she's some sort of fish queen or something? Yes, yes. I believe Pollance was a um, fucking fish queen, as you always say. He still looks incredibly pleased. Has she spoken about this to anyone? Where was she? Did Sarah tell you? She did not. She did not want to see me gossip. However, given the proclivities of this town and this certain look amongst key members of the populace, I dare say that she never told a soul 
especially as her father has since passed on from insanity. Bruno looks at Cookie, gets real thoughtful, and then just heads outside onto the porch. He's already got a cigarette. He's pulling out of a packet. Uh, well, I think I think that we need to speak with her. Excuse me, let me go speak with Bruno. Make sure he's okay. Yes, of course. So Cookie walks out on the porch and does the old pat on the back. How are you doing, bud? He just offers the pack to you. And she takes one. Lights it up and then just takes a long drag. Takes a hit off of his coffee. Mighty, uh, it's mighty f- fucked up. Yeah, they. she came out of the water with a, a baby in her belly. We gotta see her. That, I feel so close to her. Just slowly nods to like, yep, there's definitely a connection there that he is not comfortable in having. Okay. How do you think they did it? I don't, I don't think that we'll, we can get straight answers unless we talk to her. And we have to be gentle with this one because it's like ripping my heart out. We'll let those two go to the library and maybe we'll stop and get her a gift. I don't know. I don't, uh, it's, I just don't think we should go. If we don't talk to her, we can't stop it from happening to someone else. Listen, there's something out there that is bad. I just, I know in my heart that there's something scary and bad out there and it wanted me it tried to get me if I didn't have such good reflexes or juju feeling it would have can't let it happen to another little girl not saying we shouldn't do anything but uh, it's just I don't know if we should be the ones to to head over there. We did kind of fuck up that nun, didn't we? He's just going to look past you right at that beach, and it's just going to like, yeah, but we've been uh, influenced, I guess. It just takes another drag. Just let the department come back with what we figured out and then have them sort everything out. I can't believe you're all soft on me, man. Don't you want to kill this thing? Don't you want to put it back in the deep where it can't mess with anyone? Come on, Bruno, buck up. He just throws his cigarette down on the ground, drains his coffee, and then starts walking off the porch down the street. Away from the beach. Well, god damn it. I just stand there and finish my cigarette and watch him go.
back inside. I say, where has Samuel been? I didn't think he was out that late. I thought he came in shortly after we did. Ah, Bruno and I. And yet he hasn't arrived for breakfast. At that, the swinging door opens when you're having this conversation, asking about Samuel. Sarah starts gathering the dishes up off the table, and and she goes, "Oh, oh, yes." So sorry. I don't know why I didn't think of this sooner. Pardon me. And she'll pull out of her uh, apron pocket a little piece of paper and she'll open it and read it and say, yes, he he says he went to take to take some pictures. So don't wait for him. And she'll hand you the the note. Finn. Finn opens up the note, reads it to himself. Well, apparently he likes to get up right early then. Says he. Woke up just after six. Hands the note over to Philip. Philip takes it, barely looks at it. Almost throws it behind him and then realizes he's not at the office. And so he gently folds it and puts it in his inner jacket pocket. Well, it seems that he's got a hot new lead, as the newspapermen say. And I suspect we will find such photographs upon the front page of the local paper before he returns to us. Wouldn't put a past that guy. Quite, quite. Well, I do believe we have our agenda for the morning. So, Sarah, my lady of the house, thank you very much for this smashing breakfast. And we will return in time for the evening meal, I assure you. And she says, oh, yes, 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 don't forget, 5.30 sharp. Yes, 5.30 sharp. Oh, I'm sure you're going to love it just as much as you all loved the fish stew last night. Yes, quite. Well, I shan't keep you. Come along, Finn, we have much to do today, and not enough daylight to do it in. Finn devours the rest of his toast, grabs an apple, puts in his pocket, and follows Philip out the door. Take a quick look at the porch outside and see it is Bruno-less. And he'll just look at Cookie. We have a problem, gentlemen. Bruno is not feeling like himself today and has decided he needs a long walk to cool down. He doesn't think that he can emotionally handle um, working on this case, that movie is really working on him here this morning. Hmm, I see. Yes, I see. Well, I only thought the brute had two emotions, and one was hungry and the other was angry. Seems he has a third. Well, we shall leave him to his booting, and I suppose we shall all attend the library and perhaps find where our wayward daughter has gone with her own child. Well, there's one thing that might make Bruno feel a wee bit better. Yeah. A gallon or two of booze. Uh, where do you believe we'll find a gallon or two of alcohol in a New England fishing town at... And he checks his pocket watch with much fanfare. 8.38 in the morning. Well, I don't know. I'm sure he'll be able to sniff something out. 
So we should find him around lunchtime, passed out in the street. Let's leave him to it. I'm certain we'll find him near the fish houses. Shall we, gentlemen? Yes, indeed. Bruno, where are you headed to as you walk down the street? Oh, I don't think I have any place really in mind. Away from the water. The other three, where are you going first? We'll go to the library first. It looks a little more house than library. As you guys enter, it's a very quiet. It's got the stairway up to it. It's it's a brick little building, but it looks very cozy. And inside there's books, but by no means is it grand. And there's a little desk there with a librarian. Finn is going to go up to the librarian. My mate here and I, uh, we're uh, writing like a travel log thing. And we're trying to find a history of Innsmouth. Uh, do you have any books you would recommend? She'll smile as you begin talking, but then as you start talking about the history of Innsmouth, she grows a little... She's thinking, she furrows her brows, she begins to nod, she stands up, follow me. And she'll walk over towards the back of the library, and she'll start pulling out these big drawers, and she'll pull like volumes of books out. They look to be pretty old. Set them all on the table and look to you and go, these are all the land history for the entire town of Innsmouth, since its establishment, you will see all the land bought and sold by who and when. Right. Is there anything about, like, the water? Because this is a fishing town, isn't it? Water. And she'll turn around and she'll walk over a couple aisles away and she'll start pulling books off a shelf and she'll put them in your arms and she'll go, these books will discuss the whaling industry from the same time period that the town has been established. And you can see by the information in these books how greatly it affects our little town. Perfect. That'll be swell. Um, I guess we'll, uh, we'll begin digging in. Uh, you'll still be up front if we need help for anything. Of course. Perfect. Much appreciated. Philip, where did you go with your fantastic role of library use? What are you looking for? Libraries tend to have an archive of local periodicals. And I would like to search back a few years based off of what Sarah said about the reappearance of this daughter and see if I can go back a little bit further and find the obituary of the father who died in the hospice. You would be going back about 13 years. You will find a bunch of the old Innsmouth newspapers. In 1910, you'll see in June, you'll see the big story of a missing girl. And it'll tell the story of Molly Milligan, who went missing, and her father, Buck, who came back to town raving about how she was taken. You'll then see, for like the next few days, 
stories in the paper about how they searched for her, but nothing was ever found. Months later, you'll then find the story of how Buck passed, and it'll rehash the whole thing again, and nothing was ever found, just believed to be washed out to see. Man dies of broken heart story. And that's what you find in that year. Philip has his notebook out, and he is taking these notes. June 1910, missing girl, Molly Milligan, Father Buck, raving about how she was taken. June 1910, search for Molly, unsuccessful. September 1910, Buck Milligan passes away, broken heart, comma, insanity, question mark. And then he'll go back looking to see when Molly was found again, which I believe was around 1916. 1918. Cookie, what are you doing as Philip is sifting through newspapers and Finn is sifting through books? Just kind of walking through the library, just kind of feeling the edges of the books and keeping my mind open. I just kind of ask my friend, you know, if there's anything he sees that could help me here. Hmm. Well, have you tried checking the archives? So I just wander towards where the archives are. He would know that I don't have a lot of experience researching. What year was it again that it came out? Do you remember? What year was it that what came out? The film. Film came out in 1913, around there. The entity will start drifting through the different stacks of newspaper, going down the catalog, and when he finds what he's looking for, will pull just one stack out from the middle of a pile and say, this one. All Cookie would say as she's walking through the library, drawn towards the archives. She sees the newspapers and sees one of them pulled out. So she pulls it out the rest of the way and inspects it. What is the date on the newspaper? The same year of uh, 1913, July. What was the biggest news story from July 1913? It's going to be no national news. It's basically going to be uh, some local news. The Innsmouth Inn opens. The, um, The fishing has seen a spike. The halls are better. Things of, of that nature. Looking at the front of the newspaper, I see nothing that would help me in my quest. So I just kind of lay it flat on the table 
and start opening pictures and just skimming the headlines and the wanted ads or, you know, any of the local uh, postings pages. So as you thumb through the pages, as you go, you see small articles, birth announcements, marriages, engagements, divorces, not many divorces, obviously. Maybe some editorials, all very benign stuff you see in advertisement for the movie house advertising that it's the latest silent film that's being played women's clothing ads things of that nature I don't see how this is helping me let's say out loud I like that one over there in the corner see that dress it's very nice not for this kind of weather though Not this part of the country, but it's nice, don't you think? I look over the dress and think of how pretty it would be and how nice it would be to wear out. Looks flattering. It is, but it just doesn't match the style of this town. I'm wondering what it's doing in a paper from around here. What about this? That, uh, show house. Maybe, uh, goes hand in hand. People dressing up to go out to the movies for the night. Well, people always go dress up when they go out for the night. Certainly. Hmm. It says, um, hmm. The boys, did they enjoy the movie last night? I don't think so. Maybe. But something happened afterwards. I I think the movie was good. Oh, why don't we go see it? It's been a while since I've seen the film. Well, see. Been to one. I would like that. As soon as we find time, we will go watch a film together. And I will put on my finest dress. I like that a lot. All right. And Finn? Finn was specifically looking at the land history, the purchase history, building land, whatever, of the Isoteric Order of Dagon to see what he can figure out from that. And then try and reference that from, like, because he got books about whaling, so maybe stuff about trying to figure out how Dagon came into this, because he knows of Molly anyway. Came in as a fish person, he wants to figure out, you know, how did that link up to, you know, Dagon stuff, and mm-hmm. when did Dagon stuff start happening in Innsmouth? And then try and find family names. Okay. So as you try to work that out, you'll see that the Esoteric Order pretty much started soon after the town started its whaling, which is almost as long as the town's been in existence, early 1800s. You'll see that nearly as long as the town has been established has the Esoteric Order been there, and it did uh, line up to when they started. Uh, delving into the fishing whaling industry. Okay. And then 
I guess the only other thing would be trying to link up any family names of people who are part of the esoteric order. If, you know, keep those list of names in mind of if someone introduces themselves as, you know, of the Marsh family or whatever other okay. important families. So you want a list of people who are known esoteric order of Dagon people. Running throughs on that role, since it was such a, a, a successful role, as you go through the plot books of the town, you will indeed notice names you are familiar with. You've already met the Collinses. You'll see that name in, in more recent years, obviously. You'll also notice the Milligan name. You'll also see other names that the property goes back generations. So there's a lot of families that have deep roots and have been there from the beginning or shortly thereafter. You don't really have uh, like a roster of the esoteric order of Dagon. But I guess you could reasonably infer if anybody's going to have a connection, it may be these people who have been here for generations. Okay, yeah, and just those family names is what I'd like to keep in memory. Okay. Okay, so Sam, um, that morning um, at the inn, uh, you've woken up before everybody else, and you have left a note for the group. Do you want to tell me where you go first? Well, first, leaving the house, I want to try to get to the town square and set up a couple different angles of shots of pointing at different ways and uh, seeing what I can catch in that manner. Okay. So being early morning hours, the sun coming up in the east, you're, you're catching some beautiful, you know, golden hour imagery in black and white. The town square, you're looking at a sleepy uh, New England town starting to wake up. You see storefronts opening. Lights shutting off, people starting their days. It's very much the uh, quintessential New England town in the town square. Part of these photos that I'd like to get, I'd like to get as many of the actual people involved with them as well. Because when we first got here to this inn, we noticed something funny about some of them. So I wanted to see if it spread to more than just the innkeeper and his wife. I want to see if the actual other townsmen or townspeople actually have this same quality. And then once I get everything done in the town square, I'm going to end up moving more towards the coast. I want to try to get to that cliff that overlooks the fish packing houses and the harbor. Okay. I want to try to get over there and get some good photos of what's going on down there as well. So as you take your camera and you're doing the shots of the town square, I would like to see a photography role and a stealth role. So as you are in the town square and you're taking these pictures, you're trying to look very nonchalant, like you're just a photographer taking some pictures. But as you keep capturing more and more images, of the townsfolk. I think maybe your shock at the amount of people that have that same fishy quality to their look 
it looks like you really can't keep the uh would it be shock on your face concern horror surprise surprise people in the town square instead of you just taking candid photos they're pretty much just dead on looks at you as you're taking their picture the more you stay in the town square the more attention you're going to garner and so you are going to probably with these two failed roles probably it would be a good idea to maybe start moving towards that coast that sounds like a good idea because I am out here by myself you are do you want to regroup a little bit try to compose yourself yeah I'll, I'll I, I, I will let's make a sanity roll for fun as you see the uh, amount of fishy people Sam you're growing more and more disconcerted at the amount of fishy people you see this is a distinct look as you continue to take pictures of the town and, and the townsfolk there's a lot of people some of them even have deep deeper like cut lines into the sides of their necks they don't have gills but it's almost like the illusion of gills some people's mouths are just extremely just wide the bulging eyes some people have it mildly some people uh, they're practically out of their sockets the more you see this what do you think? Uh, that, that, that's what I think right there. Maybe it's a lack of food. Maybe it's light playing tricks on me. Uh, I'm going to hurry up and pack my stuff and like I'm already getting that feeling of I would say little fish in a big pond. But, you know, I don't know if that would be an accurate statement right about now. So I'm going to hustle and hurry towards the cliffs. Okay. Bruno. No, I'm fine here. Nothing, nothing to worry about. No, you're walking. Mm-hmm. And you're walking away from the water and kind of just walking aimlessly about. And as you do, you are, because I assume you're not really paying attention, you're lost in thought? I'm not paying anything any particular mind. I need to clear my head. I need to figure out if this is something that we should actually be doing, or like we've already compiled a bunch of information. Charlotte and I don't need to be the ones to go and expose ourselves to the source of what seems to be what happened to us. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been in situations with weird cult stuff before, and we've probably seen some creepy magic shit, and we're already compromised. It's already had a profound effect on us in this situation. I'm sure that the organization likes to limit how much spooky shit one person gets exposed to. Your mind is swimming with these thoughts. Your person is collided upon. A small form impacts your legs. 
and bounces off and uh, lands on his uh, bum. As you come to and look down, you'll see a child of about five years old, short, almost like crew cut hair, wide, round face, big, dark eyes, just kind of widely staring up at you as if to ask, how did you end up in his way? Is he fishy? He's got a, a whitish mouth, and his eyes are uh, oversized, but not buggy at all. But he just looks, you know those creepy paintings from back in the day of the children with the big eyes? He doesn't have, like, gills. He doesn't have, like, the webbed fingers or anything like that. And after him, you'll hear a young woman call out. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, goodness, sir. Mr. He just gets so excited and and I, I and she, as she gets up there and she starts helping the child up he'll so you know kind of look again I'm I'm so sorry mister Obviously he feels the kid bump into him because it's the kid's fault I don't think that he really paid it any mind until it's just kind of like a, I I stopped for a reason hold on what's what's going on until the woman speaks up and he looks up to see her and then looks down at the kid and is like, uh, yeah, you, uh, you all right down there, little guy? And the woman kind of kneeled down again, helping the, the child stand and goes, go on, Abner, tell him, tell him you're okay and, and apologize to the nice man. And the little boy, as she says, Abner quietly just says, Zaba. So he corrects her. With his name? When she says Abner, he says Zeba. Just very stone, stoic face. Not angry, not joking, just very matter-of-fact Zeba. It's, uh, it's, it's no problem, ma'am. I'm just, uh, and I'll point to a... What is around that's, like, down the street that I'm clearly not on my way to, but will say that I was on my way to. You're kind of that edge part of town where it kind of fades a bit. The houses aren't so close together anymore. They start to get further and further apart. And you'll just see up the road, there's a little ramshackled house. Looks like someone's trying to take care of it, but obviously there's no man around to really do the hard work. So looking up, seeing that it's like, well, I was going to say that I was heading somewhere, like a little corner shop or whatever, but there's none of that around. I'll just, out for my morning stroll, just look back to the several blocks that I have already come and just be like, well, shit, I guess I got to go back that way. And she'll kind of look at you a little concerned. Mister, you, are you lost? Because you just... You don't look familiar. I don't think you're from around here. Nah, I ain't from around here at all. It's, uh, I'm here with some friends. Just passing through. The little boy, after he stands and gets, uh, kind of situated and realizes that things are... You'll see him start to start walking again in the direction he was headed, which was the direction you're now saying you're going to walk. Yeah. And uh, the woman is, just, oh, oh, hold on, hold on. 
uh, oh, you're welcome to walk with us. We're just headed into town. He just, just so excited. Yeah. So I seem to have run out of town this way. So I'll just, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just think, fuck me. She'll call to the child. Abner, slow down. You got to wait for me. Don't, don't go too far ahead. And, and when she says his name, he stops and turns around. Seba. And then starts up again. And she'll look at you and she'll say, he has such an, an imagination. I'm just going to go ahead and throw a shot in the dark. Does Zaboth mean anything? I don't know, it's just like a weird name that might be something that actually means something else. Or some unspeakable horror from the beyond. In your work, you've run across some names that have sound similar, but... They're not the same name. Those are always related to demons. And obviously, this child is not. He's a little boy. No, I'll just walk with them and make very awkward and pained small talk because I don't want to talk to this lady. Oh, well, she's going to want to know. Your, she'll introduce herself. I'm Molly. And, and, well, you've met my son and little Abner. Save off. So it's been a few days since your conversation with the woman and um, you're, you're at home and it is late in the evening and you hear a knock at your door. Hello. It's the woman uh, standing there. She has a box clutched to her chest and smiles. Well, you said you wanted to help. Oh, definitely. Is that it? Yes. Can I come in before? Oh, yes. Come on. In. Come on in. <laughs> uh, so she'll walk over. I assume you'll have some kind of a desk being the studious oh, one that you are. Yes. Yes, definitely. She will set the box down and she will step away and. Well, it's all yours. Go for it. I will open it up. Carefully um, remove it from the box. <laughs> yes. The book is about three, three and a half inches thick. The cover of it has a metal filigree on it. Within that, you'll see a normal book cover. You do not see a title anywhere on the outside of the book. It is entirely back to front and spine, this silver filigree. Okay. When you sit down and open it, you'll notice the the pages are very, very old. It is a parchment. It's not human skin. It is just regular old parchment, regular (laughs) old ink. But the language is a very old and ancient one. It is easy (laughs) enough for you to decipher this. You already had your clue with the Herbet Saru. You know that phrase is Akkadian, so it's a safe bet that you could start there, maybe. And you'll see that this book has some Akkadian in it, but there's also passages as you flip through that are different, more ancient 
languages. How would you proceed to try to figure this out? I would start by going over in pretty good detail the languages that I can easily translate the Arcadian to try and you know, get some framework for what's going to be in the harder to translate sections. So as you do that, probably after a, a couple hours, since it was late at night, the woman probably kind of jerks awake, probably just dozed off while you were doing your thing. And uh, she'll see the, the notes and things you've uh, made, the progress. She'll walk up to your desk and say, well, anything jumping out? Anything important? Any clues? A large part of this is in Arcadian. I have a good grasp on that. There are some other parts that are a little bit more difficult to translate. Uh, working on those now. Nothing extremely relevant at this point, but it is still early going. Well, she'll kind of look a little pensive. So I really don't feel comfortable leaving the book with you. So either we adjourn this to another evening. I can stay perhaps a, a couple more hours if you think you can find something. I think with some more study here, another hour or two, I can at least make some progress, whether it will be everything we need to know. Okay. Probably not likely, but I think I can make some progress in that amount of time if you're willing to stay. And I understand you not willing to part with the book for any reason. So I have no problem with you staying here while I study. Okay. All right. Then I'll let you get back to it and we'll see what you could do in the next hour or so. And she'll go back, sit down and let you continue. As you continue to read the book, obviously you're dropping sanity. But you do get to a passage that does catch your eye. It is in a completely unusual language, a much newer one compared to all the other ones that are in this book. This one's in Latin. It seems to be inscribed in kind of in the margins of a page. It is a poem. Okay. And the poem speaks of where the ocean meets the land, followers of Dagon, the rainbow colors of the fish scale. And then it ends where it mentions the cave of scrying. So that's probably after an hour and a half you you know of research, you do find this little passage, and then the woman will again interrupt you. Okay. So anything? Yeah, something here. Uh, reference to a cave of scrying. Uh, does that mean anything to you? Um, she'll shake her head. No, but does it say where the cave is? Uh, it sounds like maybe it says where the ocean meets the land. So, and the rainbow of the fish scales. So I'm thinking somewhere along the shoreline. But there's nothing that I caught that was more specific than that. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of shoreline. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, I'm assuming there's probably several caves along the shoreline, too. But well, that's, you know, that's all I've been able to determine so far. It's a start. Yeah, it's definitely something we can continue to 
dig into, see what we can find. That she gets a big smile and says, I can always go back to Miskatonic and see if one of the lovely professors will help a little old lady. <laughs> we got to do what we have to do. <laughs> <laughs> What's the recap? Spooky shit. There, done. Spooky no, shit that is not what. <laughs> what happened last time? Oh <laughs> man. Um. So Bruno and the gang decide to do dumb things, and those dumb things are to go see a movie in the middle of the night, followed by going for a even closer to midnight stroll down a beach where totally creepy cultist stuff doesn't happen. They find a a big old hole that goes down into what is probably the cave that they found on the shoreline. And they're like, yeah, let's just put Finn right in that hole. But in the morning, um, we go down to the beach. We find some tracks of a giant fish monster. Um, Specifically, a deep one. Uh, Bruno pulls his gun and looks awesome while he's doing it. Just <laughs> creeping around. Just really holding down the fort here. Um, go back to the little hotel. Philip is scared out of his mind at the prospect of fish people. Cookie was asleep or whatever she was doing in her room. Finn was having a freak out. Uh, we got together and we swapped notes. Yes, because Philip found out information as he spent his evening with the Collinses. He did. And you did swap those notes. I did. Okay. All right. Philip will take a glance at the uh, cover page. What is the news of the day in Innsmouth? The news of the day in Innsmouth is uh, there. <laughs> Apparently, I was not supposed to ask that question. No, no. It's just, of course, you would ask me something like that. Now I have to come up with the headline what is, story. What is the um, displacement of the trawler leaving the harbor right now? <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> um, the other three, where are you going first? We'll go to the library first, because I feel that I will be denied if I go to the Esoteric Order of Dagon first. (laughs) I have been outvoted. (laughs) This is why we have a monarchy in the (laughs) kingdom. Uh, I'm going to hurry up and pack my stuff, and like I'm already getting that feeling of, I would say, little fish in a big pond. But, you know, I don't know if that would be an accurate statement right about now. So I'm going to hustle and hurry 
towards the cliffs. Okay. To throw yourself off? To try to recollect <laughs> and get a better observational view of what this town has to offer and wonder what the hell I was in that bottle I drank last night. <laughs> you did see Nosferatu last night? Um, that is true. That That is true. true. Uh, so but Nosferatu as- <laughs> didn't have gills. <laughs> Nosferatu did not have gills. I'm sure that the organization likes to limit how much spooky shit one person gets exposed to. Like HR existed then. Uh, more so corruption and like, oh, well, <laughs> you've gone completely insane instead of only slightly insane. That's what the psychotherapy is for. It worked for Philip. Right. Totally. <laughs> He's got a, a whitish mouth, and his eyes are uh, oversized, but not buggy at all. But he just looks, you know those creepy paintings from back in the day of the children with the big eyes? I mean, all kids are creepy, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's like those paintings of the children with, like, the really big eyes. No, not anime or manga. There's creepy paintings no. from back in the day. Read a book. <laughs> Why is reading a book going to make me see creepy painting? Yeah, reading manga is a thing. <laughs> Shush! How dare you corrupt your elder? Um, and after him, you'll hear a young woman call out. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, goodness, sir. Mr. I- he just gets so excited and, and I... I- and she, as she gets up there and she starts helping the child up, he'll, she'll, you know, kind of look, again, I'm, I'm so sorry, mister. Oh, you're a terrible person, by the way. <laughs> um, I think this is wonderful. <laughs> all of a sudden in the library, Philip suddenly smiles like the Cheshire cat. He has no idea why. <laughs> I I approve because it's something I would have done. <laughs> little Abner. Mm-hmm. Little Abner. Little Abner. Yeah. I'm sure I'll see him in the newspaper. <laughs> you know, other people were named Abner back in the day. Yeah, but we have. Okay. <laughs> I can't avoid every reference, people. <laughs> As she says, Abner quietly just says, Zaboth. So he corrects her with his name? When she says Abner, he says Zaboth. Just very stone, stoic face. That's not creepy at all. Not angry, not joking, just very matter-of-fact, Zaboth. Yeah, because that's a kid's name. In your work, you've run across some names that sound similar, but they're not the same name. Those are always related to demons, and obviously this child is not. He's a little boy. With a little... Hold on. What? That he would clearly, like... (laughs) He's not gonna be like, oh, this is a small child. He's the one that's like, yo, (laughs) this stuff is evil. We need to preemptively steal it. You're gonna steal it, chuck it. I may not kidnap a child, but he's not going to be like, oh, it's just some kid. 
I'm gonna. The name may be similar in sound or or that, but it, uh, it's not the same name. Okay, I'm just not. Uh, I'm not picking up that this is some kind of demon child. No, no. I've seen movies. Oz here, just chiming in at the end to say thanks for continuing to support us with your ears, bumping us by word of mouth, and even with Patreon donations, which is pretty awesome. If you aren't on our Discord, feel free to come on by and get a without-a-net welcome. If you are, you know how we do. We couldn't continue to do this without your support and feedback, so if you do have feedback, this is me personally begging you to let us know. We know we can always do better, and we love to know when we're doing well. Anyway, a couple of disclaimers. The music you heard in the intro and the outro is from the Great Old Ones and Other Beings album by Graham Plowman. You can find that on YouTube. It is some excellent Call of Cthulhu music. Call of Cthulhu 7th edition is produced by Chaosium Inc. Without a net podcast has no affiliation with Chaosium Inc. We just think 7th edition is pretty bomb and we're going to go ahead and try it out. We get no kickbacks from Chaosium, nor do we expect any, although that may change in the future, but probably not. I hope you all had a wonderful time listening to this, and we will see you next week.